0: How about worship today, huh? Woo! Wow. So today, uh, we're going to dig in pretty deep. I don't know if, uh, if any of you have a heart like I do. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we all do, right? We're all human. Uh, we have a heart, and we're going to focus on a prayer that was founded on a heart after God's heart. And uh, so let's go ahead and stand for the reading of the Word of God. We do this to give glory and honor to God, not because it's something we do out of a religious obligation, but it's, it's something we do to show him our honor for him. So today we're coming out of 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't be impressed by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. God does not view things the way men do or women do. People people look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Y'all can go ahead and be seated. God looks at a man's heart differently than man looks at his own heart differently from the man looks at another man's heart. And when you start to have a glimpse into God's reality and how it is interpreted into our reality, it starts to open your eyes to see things how God sees things, right? The way that God looks at a man's heart, he looks at what's called the inner man. And you're going to hear that term used today a few times. He focuses on the inner man. What's the inner man? What's inside, right? Our spirit, what drives us. And when he looks at the inner man in this particular foundation that I'm laying here, you got to understand that this was time that David was about to be anointed as king, and although David didn't know it at the time, although David's brothers surely didn't know it at the time, they thought they were primed and ready. One dude thought he was muscled up. One dude thought he was looking good. And all, it sounds like a lot of the same shenanigans the world places on people today, right? Appearance means everything in the world's eyes. But you got to understand, in God's eyes, it means nothing. He looks at the inner man. So he, he goes before and he goes Yeah, that one's not good. That one's not the one I want. But I want want the little guy. I want the one who doesn't have the appearance, but he has the heart. He has the heart that can carry the mantle of my name for all eternity. So it leads me to if you need a title for today. Today's title is The Heart Posture of Prayer. Right? We're in this prayer series. We've heard all kinds of ways. We can pray like this, right? We don't necessarily want to pray these prayers exactly. But I don't know if you've ever taken the opportunity to read God's word, maybe pause between each verse or pause at sentences and and actually utilize those little uh, commas and and different uh, punctuation marks there as as a precursor to say, hold on, let me stop right here and let me reflect for a second and let me pray through this word I just read. Whether it be for you, whether it be for someone else that God's put on your heart, and posture your heart in such a way that you're able to receive the word, inhale the word, right? I read this one time, it's super, super cool, and it really, it still resonates with me today. When you read the word, the exhalation should be prayer, right? Not, oh, Jesus, 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 yes, 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 Lord, your word is so good, Lord, yes, Lord. No, 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 read his word and then pray through that word. So the heart posture of prayer Today we're going to be coming out of Psalm 51. So if you want to get your Bibles out, take some notes. Um, I'm sure they're going to put it up on the, the screen as well. But we're coming out to NET, Psalm 51, 1 through 19. So we, we, we're about to hunker down and get through some of these verses. So you've got to understand a little bit of context of what's going on here, right? Because we just left out of 1 Samuel. But in between 1 Samuel, all the way to the point that we get to Psalm 51, some stuff didn't happen. Look at your neighbor and say, some stuff done happened. And what I'm talking about stuff happening in specific is, in Psalm 51, Nathan, the prophet, is challenging David. What is he challenging David about? Old Bathsheba. So I don't, <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know if all of us are familiar, but I'm going to give you a little quick context so we know where we're going through this psalm. See, David... David should have heard Joe's sermon last week. I'm just going to tell you all straight up. Joe Joe should have been preaching to David. When when Joe said, you better quit, David should have quit. (laughs) Okay, because David didn't know when to quit, and David then dug himself so deep in a hole that he sent the man to his death sentence to cover up his mistake. How many of us are not ready to humble ourselves, get in a posture of surrenderance, therefore God can work on our heart, and possibly curse somebody and send them to their death sentence. That's real. That's real. But thankfully, David had a homeboy named Nathan. And he was his right-hand man. And Nathan said, look, dude, you dead wrong. And it convicted David's heart in such a way that David got before God and postured his heart in such a way of surrenderance that it led to this deep, profound heart change that had happened. So let's dig in. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your loyal love, because of your great compassion, wipe away my rebellious acts. Wash away my wrongdoing. Cleanse me of my sin, for I am aware of my rebellious acts. Let me stop right here for a second. How many times do we actually come before God and acknowledge our wrongdoing? How many times do you come before God and say, I've sinned against you, right? Above all else, like, yeah, we might have hurt somebody. We might have hurt a family member. We might have hurt a friend. But ultimately, we sinned against God, right? So let me go a little furthermore. For I am aware of my rebellious acts. I am forever conscientious of my sin against you above all. I have sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. So you are just when you confront me. You are right when you condemn me. You see, you got to understand, maybe some people have, I'm I'm guessing most of us haven't heard an audible voice of God. Because if it did, I'm going to tell you right now, I was scared of Jesus out of me, straight up. (laughs) But look to the men and women of God that he chooses, that he places his anointing on, and trust that they may be the ones bringing the message to you that may be confronting of the thing that you're done wrong, that maybe you just, you was not ready to go before God and say, look, I've been rebellious, you know? So maybe he's like, go ahead, go let them know, because they ain't listening to me, so maybe they'll listen to you. Go ahead, right? That was the position Nathan was in, speaking on God's behalf. But what you got to understand is our heart condition, right? David's heart condition was ripe for being confronted, Right? He was in a very, very, very dark spot where he needed somebody to bump him. Anybody ever need somebody to bump them? Yeah, Yeah. me included. Our heart condition determines our posture of approach to the throne of God. This ultimately attracts his response to our conversation with him. If you're not hearing from God, maybe it's time to change your approach. Maybe it's time to lean in. Maybe it's time to get out of your rebellious acts, get out of the routine that maybe you've created and thinking that it's got to go this way or this is how I've approached him every time before and he spoke to me in these other seasons. If y'all are paying attention to what Joe said in the Worship Connection, I'm going to tell you right now, the season change here very frequently, very frequently. And in the same, God is the same. God doesn't change, but the season changes. Okay, but you gotta approach him just as David started to approach him. Have mercy on me, oh God. Have mercy on me. Approach him in a posture of repentance. See, this is this starts off as a repentance prayer, but it's setting up the heart posture. It's setting up his heart to be in a position to be soft in his flesh. He's getting rid of that heart of stone. He's getting rid of that negative approach. He's getting rid of uh well, yeah. I did this, and yeah, I sent this man to his death sentence, but yeah, I guess I'm shameful. But he's setting himself up, and God says, I could work with that. So he goes into his repentance, right, and he says, look, I was guilty of sin from birth, a sinner the moment my mother conceived me. Look, you desire integrity in the inner man. Remember we talked about the inner man a little bit ago? The inner man's the heart. You want me to possess wisdom. Sprinkle me with water and I will be pure. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Grant me the ultimate joy of being forgiven. May the bones you crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sin. Wipe away all of my guilt. You got to understand God can work with a pure heart. It doesn't mean you're perfect, it doesn't mean you're blameless. It doesn't mean sin isn't in your life. What that simply means is a heart that's genuine, right? God can work with a genuine heart, not a heart that's got a reserve, not a, well, God, uh, yeah, I'm here, laid up in the altar, I've been coming to the prayer room every day like I've been I've been challenged to do, and, you know, I just keep praying, God, and you just ain't doing things, but, uh, you know, I, I know you said you can go ahead and do this, and I'm, I'm asking for this, but, I just Maybe I ain't ready to do this, God, or, or, or maybe, God, you got to do it this way because that's the only way that my tiny little pea brain can fathom how you're going to operate. Get out the way. Just bring him the most genuine heart you can bring him. Look, God, here I am. You're far better at doing this than I am. So here's my heart. I don't know where you're about to lead me, but I trust your will because you're faithful, because you're true. Because you're good all the time. And I'm just mere nothingness. I'm just here to serve you out of this heart posture that I'm bringing you. Can you work with that? And he says, I got you, boo. I can work with that. It's literally that simple. Literally that simple. And then you just got to lean in. You got to look. You got to lean in. You got to look. You got to lean in. You got to pray through this. There, there's endless prayers in here. We're just touching on a few of them in this season, the sermon series that we're doing right now. So let's go a little further more. Create, see, this is the part I think we all hold on to, right? This is the part that wrecks us all because it's such a profound prayer that David prayed that I don't know if your heart's beating if it ain't touched you, but in these verses that I'm about to read to you, Yeah, it seems to be the place that we get hung up at and maybe even take out of context and make it apply to some of the things that uh, we're wanting him to recreate our heart in. But you got to understand the whole context of how David came to this place. you got to understand that when you step out into the altar, you step out into your secret place and you go, God, create for me a pure heart, O God. Renew in me a resolute spirit within me. Do not reject me. Do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. How many people know when he takes his Holy Spirit away from you, you just might as well turn in. (laughs) It's over with. Right? Let me again experience the joy of your deliverance. And see, that's what he's talking about there. Do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Why? Because the fruits of the Spirit are upon you when his Spirit is in you. you got to understand there's joy, there's peace, there's love, there's self-control. We like to leave that one out a lot of times. There's something, me included. Be included, okay? Those are the gifts of his spirit. And when, he, when you step out of his covering and you leave his spirit behind, see, it's not that he pulls his spirit. David's just in a desperate place here. Don't take your spirit away. He's like, I'll never take my spirit away from you. But you might have stepped away from my spirit for a time. So sustain me by giving me the desire to obey. See, that's where it starts getting turned right there. Right there. (laughs) Sustain me by giving me the desire to obey. Boy, let me tell y'all, ain't nobody wants to obey. (laughs) Obeying is a discipline we have to learn. But once we cross over from that discipline to that dedication, it becomes a desire. And I don't know where you're at in your walk right now. I don't know where you're at on this path of salvation that Jesus has us on. But you gotta identify where you're at. Am I in discipline mode? Am I in dedication mode, or am I just flat out desiring? Right? You find where I was at. Y'all stick with me for a minute. Um, then I will teach rebels your merciful ways, and sinners will turn to you. Not see. Don't have to get that out of context either. I'm not talking about teaching David's ways. I'm talking about teaching the Lord's ways and sinners return to him, right? How many of us posture ourselves with our hearts in such a way that he uses us as a vessel to have people turn away from the ways of the world and turn to him? Rescue me from the guilt of murder. That's real. Oh, God, the God who delivers me, then my tongue will shout for joy because of your deliverance. How many times have we shouted for joy because of the deliverance he's given us, even though we didn't deserve it, right? Oh, Lord, give me the words, then my mouth will praise you. Certainly you do not want a sacrifice or else I would offer it. You do not desire burnt sacrifice. He's saying you don't desire the things we used to do. You don't desire whatever my, my, my mere sacrifices and my human understanding that I can bring to you, right? The sacrifices God desires are a humble spirit. I think we touched on this last week, huh? A humble spirit. Humble yourself before the Lord. Put yourself in a posture of surrenderance and then let him create a pure heart in you out of the desperate situation that you're in and return back to him, Oh, God, a humble and repentant heart you will not reject. Is this word true or is this word true? He says it right here in his word. He will not reject. Because you favor Zion, do what is good for her. Fortify the walls of Jerusalem, then you will accept the proper sacrifices, burnt sacrifices and whole offerings. Then bulls will be sacrificed on your altar again. We see from the early parts of David's life all the way into the end when Solomon's reign began that God had a plan that started with anointing and ended with a legacy. See, in 1 Samuel, that's where the anointing began, but it started with the inner man. It started with God looking beyond the outward appearance of how it looked amongst all the selections he could make. But God knew there was a legacy in this man. Why? Because David had a pure heart. David had a pure heart of worship. David knew that no matter how far he had fallen off the beaten path of his decisions against God's will, that if he just returned a pure heart of worship to his God, that that was something his God could work with. But not just in song not just in a song, but in how he reached the throne by serving, even though he would never see the completed work of the temple or even fathom the completed work of the cross that would come from the same bloodline that he shared with Jesus Christ. You see, you got to understand, David wasn't a model man of God, but David had a heart after God that we can all model ours after. You see, I wonder if one of us would, or many of us would actually posture our heart in such a way that God says, I could place my mantle on this family. I can place my name in this lineage. I know this family is going to carry a legacy all the way through until they return back to me again. Got a few next steps. James 4, verse 3b through 4. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. So you can spend it on your passions. Adulterers, you do not know that friendship with the world means hostility towards God. So whoever decides to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. You ever heard of a lack attack? Anybody ever heard of a lack attack? I mean, it's not a biblical thing, but it's a thing. Right? It's, a thing, it's, a, it's a human attitude we experience. It's a human attitude that we allow in. And if we don't pick up on it and recognize what it's doing to our spirit, it's going to destroy your intimacy with Jesus every single time. Life happens, and we can't change that sometimes. But sometimes there are opportunities where we can make decisions to either follow God's will are to follow our will. And the more we step into following his will, the greater our intimacy grows with him. And when our intimacy grows with him, the more hell begins to flee. Next one. This one comes out of Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. Don't hold on to anything that will get in between your... I'm sorry. Do not be anxious about anything... Instead, in every situation, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, tell your request to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Don't let anything get in between your intimacy with him. Don't let anything get in between your understanding because uh, you see there's 66 books here. That I'm more than more than sure will answer your misunderstandings about who he is. That may even answer your misunderstandings about the way you thought life was supposed to work and the way you might have thought that culture was supposed to go. So let me tell you something. When a culture of people after his heart begins to get in one mind and one accord and form a community that's not scared, that's that's willing to be radical for him. Let me tell you something nothing will get in between and rob your peace with him. Yeah, things may come against you. Yeah, the world may turn upside down and, and culture just, it's not even understandable on how we even got to this place. But if we, if we hold true, right, we all said his word was true earlier. If we hold true to his word, we don't let anxiety take root. Because in every situation, every situation through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, you better learn how to thank him first. You better learn how to step into that. Step into thanking him before he even did the work. Why? Because it's already been done. Didn't we learn that his reality exists outside of our reality and he just starts to step in and say, hang on, let me bend time a little bit. Let me go ahead and move these things around. And there you go. Right? Is he God or is he not? Did he do what he said he was going to do all the way up until this point or not? He's faithful. We can trust him. His words are true. There's no fault in him. He's not a man that he should lie. But in this, tell your request to him in the peace that you can't even fathom, the peace that you can't even understand where it came from in the moment you needed it most. The peace that settles your heart and your mind into a place of comfort and knowing that he is the God that he's always said he was going to be will comfort you and guard your heart and your mind in him. You see, one last thing before we close out. A heart that creates an atmosphere for Jesus is a place that culture has created for his presence to rest in us and around us. You see, we got to trust We have to rely, and we have to obey all decisions we have to make for ourselves to stay within his reality as it's in ours. So I think it'd be good if we would all, you go ahead, bring the lights down. I think it'd be good if we'd all bow our heads and close our eyes and start to think, start to think, Where's my heart at right now? How intimate am I with Jesus? I know, I know through the many people that God used in the Bible, none of them were perfect. There was only one who was perfect. So don't let the imperfections shame you. Don't let the imperfections give you guilt right now, but just simply grab a hold of it, Repent. Give it back to him. Say, Jesus, I'm not walking like this anymore. Jesus, I'm not thinking like this anymore. Jesus, I'm not living like this anymore. And then do it. You see, because we can think about it, we can say it, but it might not mean anything. But let me tell you, when you do it, when you apply it, God's like, yeah, yeah, I got you. Come on. And it's like Joseph talked about earlier. Heaven starts to come down and meet us where we're at and takes us to that place, that secret place, where it's just us and him. So right now, I want you to imagine that secret place you are with him, whether it's here sometimes, whether it's at home. Imagine that place and give him your heart right now. Surrender your heart to him. Humble yourself. And he can work with that. And just like David did in the prayer that we we learned about today, ask him for his mercy. Ask him to to come upon you right now and and let his spirit not depart from you, but rest in you, rest around you. And say, Jesus, have your way in me. Yeah, I've fallen off. Yeah, I might have done my will instead of yours. But Jesus... Have your way in me, Lord. Don't let your spirit depart from me. But instead, Lord, let your spirit come inside of me and change me and give me giftings, Lord, that I can draw others to you. Give me truth, Lord, in my most moments of need that I can I can speak to the enemy that's trying to afflict me and say, no, 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 this is what God's word says. What you're saying is lies. I wonder if anybody would... uh would want to come to this altar right now and give their heart to Jesus. I wonder if anybody would say, hey, Lord, create in me a pure heart. Renew in me a spirit, a steadfast spirit, a spirit of resilience, a spirit that's humble before you at all times, a spirit that's seeking after your heart, a spirit that you can do a legacy through, a spirit that you can place your name on, a spirit that you say, hey, That's my family. That's my bloodline. And I'm going to do something through them.